Lord. Amen. Great worship, great worship. Hey, grab your word. I want you to put your finger in John chapter 4. We're going to get there eventually, and we're going to stay there for a little while. So uh, go to John 4. I know it looks like a bunch of guys. It's a guy thing up here. You noticed that today? We have a lot. We have four ladies at a walk to Emmaus and a bunch of other ladies that are in route back from Oklahoma City from what's it called again? Uh, Fair of the heart. Thank you. You should know what you're talking about before you open your mouth. See, that's what you should learn. Uh, but they're coming home. So uh, let's. Uh, I want to look today um, at two words: um, experience and understanding experience and understanding. Guys, I want you to pop up that first slide for me. For most believers, understanding and experience seem to be mutually exclusive. And I don't know if that's you, but but for most believers, those are two different entities, okay? Theology, second slide, theology and spirituality are believed to be separate. Are they? For most believers, understanding and experience is mutually exclusive, but also for most believers, spirit and truth are mostly exclusive, meaning that they don't go together. For most people, but I'm telling you, they do. In fact, one does not truly exist without the other. To experience God is to have understanding, but to understand God is to experience Him. I want you to go to your text. I want to show you this play out in Scripture. I want you to see this. Uh, for real in, in Scripture. Go to John 4. We're familiar with this story. This is the woman at the well. And it's a little lengthy text, but I want to read it all because it sets the table for those two words. Okay? I want you to go to John 4. Look at verse 7. I'll begin there. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples have gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, I am am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can I get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from him himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty 
and have to keep coming here to draw water. I'm going to stop there. Outside in the margins, if you have your own Bible, you can simply write one word out beside verse 15. It's called salvation. (laughs) That's exactly what just took place. Well, they were not in church. No, they were not in church, okay? They were at a well in the middle of the day, and it was hot, okay? That's where salvation, she said, give me this water that you offer me, that you can give me so that I don't have to keep keep drawing here. I don't keep coming. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that that is a gift from God that no man shall boast. That's a gift from God there, okay? Verse 16, he told her, go and call your husband and come back. Verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. That's an interesting statement. (laughs) Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. That's just funny. I'm just so I just that whole encounter right there is pretty stinking funny. Okay, uh, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but Jews came. Jews claimed that that the place where we were, must worship is in Jerusalem. Verse twenty-one. Jesus declared, "Believe me, woman. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you you do not know. We worship what we do know." For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For those are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and the worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then I love verse 26. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Now, your Bible and my Bible doesn't have verse 27, but let me give it to you. Excuse me, sir, I need to go to the bathroom. That's, what, that's what's about to happen because, she, I mean, he just absolutely floors her here. He not only calls out what's going on, he speaks to her, knowing her husband's, speaks to her just bluntly, she says, I know the Messiah is coming. And he says, the one who speaks to you is he. The one who speaks to you is he. God longs for us to know him in spirit and in truth. Said another way, in experience and in understanding. There is a, um, it's been a dangerous thing that has happened in our churches. Over the last, I'm going to say 20 years. I've been in ministry 28, okay? In the last 20 years, there's been an interesting dichotomy that has happened in the church. If you went back 20 years ago, the church preached the word, fire and brimstone, gospel, gospel, repent, repent. I mean, they just hammer it home. I mean, every Sunday was that. I mean, it was word, 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 word. And people are like, word, give me word, got to have the word. Yes. And then a generation came up, and they wanted worship. Okay? And so now the pendulum went from all of that word, 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 because there used to be like 70-minute messages and 45-minute messages. Okay? Some of you remember those. We swing all the way over here to worship. 
And a generation came up that wanted all worship. They wanted the same amount of time that the Word got, they now wanted over here in worship. And not only that, they got praise team and instrumentals and, 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 and people that sang with them. And, and it had like 16 people on the stage. And if you're really a cool church, you had some smoke and all that stuff. And, and, I'm, and you know what I'm talking about. I mean, that, that was the pendulum swing. And so a lot of churches found themselves in the middle. And you had an older generation that said, I, I don't know what's going on with them young people. what's all this smoking stuff? I don't get that. I don't find smoke in the Bible, and when I do, it wasn't pretty, okay? You have all this other stuff here. So you have doctrine and theology and and the gospel and the word, and that's where older people wanted. I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, it was all, that was all it was, constant. But you had this younger generation that said, man, I want to, I want to worship and so you had this swing all the way over here of all worship. I'm going to say something to you. The woman at the well, she had understanding. She did. She knew the truth. Listen to her encounter here. She was a woman of religious uh, doctrine and theology. She knew, she knew this. She knew Messiah was coming that would tell her everything, all right? She knew, she knew Samaritans and Jews, and she knew salvation came in. She knew the stuff, okay? She had understanding, but she had not experienced the Holy Spirit in her life. It hadn't changed her, okay? We have people that are hardcore theology, doctrine, that kind of stuff. The problem was those kinds of people, okay, beautiful in, in their own way, worship like this. Can we just get this over and get to the word? I'm not kidding. These people are beautiful people. They love the Lord, but they're not in the worship. They're just not into it. They don't don't see its place. It doesn't make sense to them. It's irrelevant to them. Just get to the word. And then you have people over here like, Oh, whoa, whoa, they jump, they shout, they scream. I mean, it's all, I mean, they're all into it. And, and we call them the new millennials. Y'all met them yet? They're an interesting group, all right? Woo, Lord help us, all right? That needs to speed up the return. I, I just think that's going to give it some momentum, I'm thinking. I don't know. So, so we're at this conference in Gateway, and it's a pastor's conference, and staffs from everywhere are there. And every time I go, every year I go, I feel older and older. Oh, my gosh. And I'm only 51. All right? And so we're upstairs in the balcony, and there's this group in front of us, and they're all just young, 25, 30. I mean, they're young, okay? And I mean, worship is incredible. The presence of the Lord, I mean, I'm telling you, it's thick, it's rich, it's beautiful. That's great worship. All right? I mean, it's great. And these guys in front of us, I mean, they're jumping and hopping. and Man, they're doing it. My first thought is, this cat just loves Jesus. He's just dripping Jesus. Because outwardly, it's what it looks like. I kid you not. We get done with worship. Robert Morris, a senior pastor at Gateway who can preach the flat-out word. All right? He walks up on the stage 
We sit down, and that dude that's just jumping like a rabbit in front of me for like 45 minutes sits down and immediately goes to his phone. I'm like, I love these new guys. They got the phones and the Bible. He's going to go to his Bible app. He's going to look it up. No. He not one time ever in that whole message that Robert Morris preached ever went to one piece of Scripture. Never. He went to Facebook and Snapchat. He sent some tweets out to his buddies. He took a selfie of himself hopping, and he put it on Instagram. That's all he did the whole time. And I'm like, that is such the epitome of the church today. You look, outward expression of his worship said he absolutely loved the Lord. But when it was done with worship, he sat down and never went to the Word. Never went to the Word. Never went to the Word. There's got to be a balance, and Jesus said there's got to be a balance, between the theology, the doctrine, and the understanding of the Word and the experience of the Holy Spirit that took a blind man and made him see. There's got to be, because they do not, they're not separate. They are together. Jesus said to the woman at the well, listen to me. There's going to come a time where you don't worship on this mountain or on this mountain. You will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. She knew that she knew the understanding. She had the theology. She knew that. Now she's come from a woman who's tried to fill the God void in her life with five men and shacked up plant house with one more right now trying to make her have substance, meaning, and give her life purpose. And God said, Jesus said, go, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. I had five, got one shacked up with plant house. He's not mine either. I know. You've been trying to stick all kind of stuff in this little hole. It's not going to work. I'm the only one that fits there. You can search for the right guy. Listen, I am the creator, and I'm going to promise you I didn't make one for that. I didn't make one for that. I, I'm the only one that fits. I'm the only one that fits. I'm the only one that fits. Scripture is intended to give us understanding about God and guide us into the true relationship with him. See, I don't know an author, just because I read a book by a certain guy or woman doesn't mean I know him. It doesn't. It doesn't mean, I, just, I just read the book. But see, the Scripture, he wants you to read the book because in reading the book, you begin to know who he is. You know the Lord by your experience with him. You understand who he is when you read the book he wrote for you. See, you can't separate the two of them. See, we, 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 have, we have a generation of people who have absolutely zero depth to them. Zero. I, I meet people all the time who say, I, I'm a Christian. Here's, and this is just a, and I, if I, I don't mean to be a jerk when I ask this question. I just think it's a really good question, so I ask it. How do you know that you're born again? That, isn't that a, just an easy question? How do you know you're born again? 
number one answer I get from everybody I ask, I, I, I've been in church all my life. Listen, I love church, but, dude, that's not going to make you a believer. That, that's not going to lead to born again. That's not how you get born again. Listen, you can drag people in the McDonald's, I've said before, it won't make you a French fry. It just doesn't happen, okay? You, you, it just won't, okay? Listen, unless you have come to a point in your life where you're sick of yourself and your sin, and you accept Christ and what he did for you. Not what he had to do, but what he did for you on a cross. He took your place on a cross. Once you understand that and you are born again, you confess your sins and you receive Christ, he comes inside of you. He makes you new. You're the same person, same name. You still answer to it, but you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You are born again. See, this woman at the well is born again. She's born again. She's totally a different person. Totally different. She understood who he was. Now she's experienced him. We have a lot of people in church today, they're either over here on the deep theological, give me the word, or they're over here on this jump up and down for worship experience. Here's the problem. The jump up and down worship experience people have zero depth. None. And Jesus told us in Matthew, when the wind blows, when the storms come, if you're planted in sand, you're going to fall over. If you're planted on a rock, you will stand tall. You ever planted new trees? We plant some new trees out here, some big trees out here. A lot of people plant new trees. When you plant a new tree, it's very important to soak the hole Put the tree in the hole and soak it to death. You can't give a new tree enough water, okay? If you take a new tree and you stick it in a dry hole and you build no basin around it and you lay a bunch of pretty sod on top of it and you turn your sprinkler system on and your grass looks green and your tree turns brown, you go tell the sprinkler guy, something's wrong with my tree. You kill my tree. No. Did you water your tree? Yeah, my sprinkler's on all the time. Can I tell you something? And I'm not trying to teach trees and grass. You cannot water new trees like you water new grass. You can't do it. The roots are different. A root of a grass is about this tall. The root of a tree is about this tall. When you turn the sprinklers on, you water the grass, it gets wet, it goes down to the roots about two inches deep. The tree doesn't even know your sprinkler is running. It doesn't even know it. Why? Because the grass is drinking all the water. Listen, every root wants water. The top root's going to get it first. If you don't soak it all the way down to the sap root of that tree, that tree's going to turn beautiful brown while your fescue is beautifully green. Then people are going to drop by and go, look at this tree. It's fall year round. That's not the point of the tree, okay? Listen to me. We're the same way. If all you've got is jump up and down worship, and the only time you can hear God, listen to his voice, experience his presence is when the smoke is going, when the music is great, and when everybody around you is hopping up and down like a bunny for Jesus. Listen to me. If that's all you got, as soon as worship ends and you sit down, you don't, have any, you don't need the word. You don't need the word. It don't mean anything. And the problem is too many people out there 
all they are is grass. They're just grass. They come on Sunday. We turn the sprinkler on. The Holy Spirit sprinkles down on top of us through worship. Y'all love it. You experience it. You get a little bit of word. It feels good. And then you go out there and nobody touches the word again until Sunday. And it's just shallow, man. It's just shallow. And all along, Jesus did not call us to be grass. He called us to be a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. He says the trees of the field clap their hands. A dead tree ain't clapping. He ain't. I'm just telling you, they're not. We have a generation of people who can only experience God if the atmosphere and the environment of worship is right. And what happens is, if all your relationship with Jesus is, is a song, if the song's not on, you got no relationship. He said, there ain't nobody like that. Oh, mm, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Now listen, we are blessed to have incredible worship. I mean, it's good. It makes me want to hop like a bunny in worship, okay? But I also know this. And Pax and I talk about it all the time. If all you've got is worship and you don't have the word, you've got really shallow people and a really shallow church. You've got to combine the word and the worship. You've got to combine the spirit of the worship with the truth of the word. And Jesus taught it right there. He said, a time is coming and now has come. Can I just get an amen for the country we live in today? Is not a time is coming and now has come? My goodness. You can't, just, you can't just turn the sprinkler on and get it done in this world anymore. It is a scorching heat from the sun that is trying to fry everything out there. And if you're not some big old tree rooted down deep, man, and your sap root runs down deep, and you've got to draw from a well that is not operating by you. See, you can turn your own sprinkler on, but you can't turn that sprinkler on. That's a sprinkler that comes inside of you that's not of you. That's of Jesus. He says, you better get a deep sap root because, I mean, the heat is coming. And if all you can do is jump around when the atmosphere is right, you're, you're not going to make it. That's why kids go off to college, been drugged to church for 18 years. Parents think, I got the best kid in the world. He's so well-mannered. He is so well-mannered. They go off to school. And, man, they're shacking up with girls. They're living together before they get married. They're doing things. Their parents can't even recognize them. Who are you? What happened to the kid that went to church all the time? Well, I, 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 I've experienced. I don't have no, I don't have no understanding. I don't, I, don't, I don't know the truth. I, I, don't, I don't know. They don't know because they're just shallow grass. They're not deep. They're not deep. You got to get them deep in the word. Listen to me. They're all out there. Don't be, don't be the people that are just grass. Be big oaks. That's what he asks us to be. So you got to combine the deep theological doctrine, the word, the word, the word, with great worship that's got emotion. That, that draws it out of you. You say, well, I don't worship because it's an emotional thing. No, it's not all. Man, listen, if it doesn't move you emotionally, you, you're, you're just dead anyway. You're just dead. Worship will move you. 
It's emotional. Listen to me. If you just got your sight back, would you be emotional? Oh, I can see now. Thanks. Is that how you going to react? No. Dude, if you've been blind and now you see, you're jumping. I'm just telling you, you're jumping. You're excited. You're fired up. But I'm telling you, there's a bunch of people out there that just have shallow roots. And when they get out there in that world, and especially like a college kid that I mentioned, a professor can tell you all that stuff. No, nah, God's dead. God, God don't do anything. If God loves you, why this happen? And see, because it's just thin roots, that don't take much, does it? But see, if you were a deep core in the word and you knew the author, okay, you knew who he was, you could draw from that, then that would change everything, my friend. That would change everything. There's a lot of things that want to knock you down, okay, a lot of things. Psalm 145, 18 says this. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. I want you to listen to Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Beautiful. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you were born again, just as you were saved, continue to live where? In him. How? Rooted and built up in him. What are you rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were what? Taught, taught the word, your roots go deep, you're strengthened by that. Why? Because you have deep roots, okay? And overflowing with what? Jump up and down bunny worship. That's what it is. You're, you're in the word, you're deep. Deep in the word. Your roots go deep. And from that, that well springs up in you. And when you walk into the spirit and the atmosphere of the Lord and worship begins, let me say something to you. You cannot keep Jesus that lives in you from worshiping. You just can't. You cannot put a lid on Christ in worship. Some of you cannot worship because there is no well to draw from. That's just the truth. You can't worship unless the Spirit lives. You're just drawn to worship. And sometimes, my friend, you've got to get excited about what God's done in your life. You say, well, I grew up and it's supposed to be the Word and theological and doctrine. I know. That's fine. But you've got to mix it with the other side, what Jesus said. You've got to mix truth and Spirit. And when you mix truth and Spirit, that's a powerful vessel. Powerful. Let me ask you something today. Who are you? You tend more to be over here on the true side, or are you trying to be more over here on the spirit side? It, we're, we're, we're both, we both go both ways. I mean, I mean, some over here, some over there. What Jesus says, I want you right here. I want you right here. I grew up all here. When I went off to college, I figured out this side. I didn't know what to do with it first. Didn't know what to do with it. I, I, I never, see, I hardly ever raised my hand because through school, I never knew the answer. <laughs> i just be honest. <laughs> I mean, I, some people say, well, I raised my hand in school. If you know the answer, I'm like, I, I never did that. I never knew the answer. 
I was waiting for somebody else to say it. I sat by pretty girls who knew all the answers. I just asked them. I mean, that's what jocks do. That's why they sit by pretty girls, all right? The girls don't like them. They just want to know the answer because they don't know. So I'm sitting there, and the teacher asks a question, and people raise their hand. I'm like, I never raised my hand. I never, never did. So went all through my life, I didn't raise my hand, worship, or at school, okay, because I didn't know. So I go off to college, and I go to a timeout. It's a Bible study for college kids on Tuesday night at 9.30. You know it's for college kids if it starts at 9.30. Now I go to bed at 9.30, <laughs> all right? But, but here's the deal. I go in, and I mean, there's three or 400 kids, and every hand is raised, every one of them, every one of them. I'm like, man. I've never been around this many people that know all those answers. I mean, they all had their hands up. I didn't even know you could do it. I remember talking to my dad on the phone. I said, Dad, you've been in a church where everything, everybody raised their hand. Uh, son, you need to be careful in them churches. <laughs> Baptist deacon answer. That just sounded like a Baptist deacon, didn't it? Right? I'm just saying, that's what he told me. So I was trying to be careful. But the spirit that lived inside of me, the well that was in me, kept getting drawn to that. I was like getting excited. Every Tuesday, I'd be excited. And I would let nothing interrupt 930. Nothing. Nothing. I'd go to the library and study, and before 930, I'd be at, I'd, I'd be at the chapel for, for time out. And eventually, I started lifting my hands. And then I decided, then I got the side of the truth that I had studied as a young man and been taught at home to the spirit of worship. And, dude, when you put them two together, oh, my goodness. It changes everything. Listen, when the Spirit of God starts revealing you fresh revelation from the Word of God, it takes that theology and doctrine that you studied all those years and changes everything. Changes everything, man. Now, when I read the woman at the well story, dude, I'm pumped up because I see myself. I see myself. You see, she was trying to... Put a location on worship. There's not a location on worship. <laughs> uh, you told me to worship on this mountain, and y'all going to worship on this mountain. You said, no, nah, that day's over. Uh, no, nah, not going to happen anymore. Listen, the day is coming. You're going to worship not on this mountain or not in that mountain. None, none of them. I'm not locational. You can worship me at a, in, in, in a deer stand. You can worship me on a lake. You can worship me at work. You can worship me, and you should, driving down Coulter. All right? I mean, you worship me everywhere. All right? All right? Here's the deal. Get in the Word. Get in the Word. I'm not saying don't get in the Word. I mean, get in the Word. Eat it. Okay? Eat the Word. Get fat on the Word. And then come over here and exercise in the Spirit. You, listen, you will be one lean, mean fighting machine for the king. All right, you've got to, we, in this battle that we're in, you've got to be one lean, mean fighting machine for the king. And the only way you're going to do it is if you do it the way Jesus orchestrated it, spirit and truth, truth and spirit, not one side or the other, both well-balanced, mean, lean fighting machine, lean, mean fighting machine. Why don't you close your eyes, bow your head with me. I'm going to invite the uh, ministry team to come on up and the worship team. As we move to a time of invitation, I just simply want to ask a simple question. What is the Holy Spirit? What has the Holy Spirit said to you?
through this message. That, that's it. Not a bunch of questions today. What has the Holy Spirit said to you through this message? I'm going to pray, then we're going to stand, and we're going to worship. It's called the time of invitation. It's time for you to respond to what the Holy Spirit said to you through the message. Father, this morning, you laid out your blueprint for your kids. You said the kind of worshipers that you seek, that the Father is seeking, is the worshipers that worship me in spirit and truth. For they, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father desires. God, I pray that you would make us that kind of worshiper. God, may we eat the word. May we devour the word. May we come to the table daily, take the fork, knife, and spoon, and eat the ribeye. But God, may we exercise that in the Holy Spirit so that we might look like you. God, as we stand in just a little bit for invitation, wherever we are in this worship center, whatever your Holy Spirit has said, I pray we're obedient to your word today and do whatever you ask us to do in Christ's name.